Well, welcome into another episode of Sweet Tea and Coffee. My name is Kendall McDonald. I'm the pastor here at Fredonia Hill, and I'm sitting here with my co-host, Blake Russell. And today, you may not recognize Blake. Blake's been a little under the weather, and so it may not sound like Blake, but a, it really is. I've got a smooth voice. This man, morning. it's smooth jazz here. So we are, uh, we're going to jump in. We're actually going to tackle some moments from our adolescent years. It's going to get scary, uh, so brace yourselves, but that's going to be the topic of our conversation for today. Well, it may seem like a bit of a random topic, but I'll kind of try it, Blake, and give us a framework for why I'm even even thinking about this. Uh, we have mentioned before that a few weeks ago we, we had the opportunity to go and uh, take the kids to camp, and then Matt and I went and took them, uh, brought them back home. But we went a little early so we could stay, and just being there with them at camp and watching them wrestle with the things that God was saying and, and doing right. and uh, just brought back a lot of memories, not not specifically just church camp memories, but I was just really thinking about that time in, in my life. And then actually yesterday I got the chance to spend uh, time with them on a Wednesday night and, and just was mm-hmm. thinking about that. So just that period of my life in watching them has been, has been on my mind. And I think as adults, sometimes we look back on those years and I don't want to use the word discredit, but I think we diminish what God does in our lives in those times. And, and a lot of times I think we look back on those and even sometimes we look at kids now and we, we, we kind of just go, Oh, that's just, being a teenager or or whatever. And I, and I think we, I think we diminish the work of God in our lives. So I was just thinking, man, actually, no, that's been, that was a really formative, really important stretch of my life. And I'm talking about from when I was in high school up to the first couple of years in college. And I think it's important that we look back on those things and that we kind of point out the activity uh, of God. I don't know that. Yeah. I think, think? I think there's a lot of, uh, if you just look at maybe, uh, I'll be even generous with this. Maybe a ten-year span. How much is kind of crammed into that ten years uh, in your your growth and develop, development? Not only you know just physically and mentally, but spiritually. How much happens in that moment? And I'm, I, as you were uh, pitching this idea this morning, I just started thinking about just different things that happened in my life in that short period of time. You know, and that it's just incredible to kind of think back of what God was doing and shaping and molding in those years. Yeah, it seems like those years are, they vary for from person to person. It's not always the, the same story. But for many, those years include their conversion. Right. They, they meet Jesus. I've heard a ton of people talk about, you know, that the teenage years, maybe they were, they were saved when they were, when they were younger and they come to this point where they go, actually, you know, that was some version of my parents' faith. And mm-hmm. now I need to embrace that. They, they have this in, in deep encounter with Jesus there. That is, that is uh, something like a conversion. And then for many, it's a time where they really have to battle with the, the desire for the things of the world. Right. And laying those things down. Right. Or, uh, and then at verses following 
Jesus and uh, and and everybody's stories vary kind of within mm-hmm. that. Some people just totally walk away at that point. That that's yeah. a point where actually they just they walk away, and it's in their adult life that they come back to those moments and go, "No, God was really." Uh, he was present in my life. He was pursuing me, and and I need to I need to kind of return to that. So I think recalling those stories is yeah, that's good. Is important and helpful. It's it's certainly not just the teenage years that God is active and working right. in those times. So I don't know any you know as I think about uh, my story, there's plenty of there's plenty of moments. You and I, this is a sweet tea and coffee moment, right? Um, because you're actually kind of like my my wife. You have this sparkling record and i'll be honest i get around people with sparkling records and i kind of go oh there's, there's a little let me tell you a, jealousy a, a little story here um i uh i was a, a pretty good kid and all up through elementary school if that's yeah i'm hard not, to believe, I, yeah, you know? not, not at all shocked and into high school and and never really had any kind of disciplinary issues in that in that regard this is coming from the guy i think this is important to put on record this is coming from the guy that at one point told me he has dressed the same. Yeah, that's true. Since he was like, what, yeah. ten years yeah, old? Like you've been wearing I don't very, yeah. jeans and a collar that's since, pretty much it. since yeah. you were ten, and a pair of boots. But uh, so there was it. there was a moment in. Uh, so I never got in trouble in elementary school, and you know what we called was uh, marks. Yeah, I never got any marks. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, disciplinary marks, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, except I got one, and it was in third grade. But and I there, bet it was unjust. It was completely unjust. <laughs> I, I, uh, we had homework folders, and I had done my homework that night and stuck it in the folder. But my mom, she's she's all about keeping things organized and clean and getting rid of junk in the house. And um, she opened up my folder and took the homework out, thought it was old, threw it away. I get to school the next morning, open up my folder, my homework's not there. Oh no. And so the teacher doesn't believe me that my mom threw away my homework. It's, it's kind of like the dog ate my right. homework, right? Yeah, she just assumed that I didn't do it, and I threw it away or something. She thinks you're throwing your mom under Which the bus. Which is crazy that the teacher would assume that I didn't do it, yeah, because never I, mean, I never trouble. got in trouble. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so I got my mark. Oh, my and, goodness, uh, an unjust mark. Yeah, I mean, it devastated me. And so, and my mom felt bad. She tried to, like, explain to the teacher, and the teacher didn't take it back or anything. Interesting story. Uh, that teacher went to our church. Uh, not at that time, but years later, she started coming to our church and, uh, we came back and told her that story and she felt awful. She was like, that was the only mark that Blake had ever through his entire, you know, elementary and high school, whatever. Like, and it was like, yeah, that was, that was it, you know? So, but there was this perception, I don't know, in, in school they had, it was brilliant and I hope I'm not ruining something for parents right now, but I really believed that the things that happened in elementary school, the marks you got, that went on your like. They, there record. was some. There was some place where that was documented <laughs> on your for rap forever. Sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that my next teachers down the road were going to look at that and go, "I see yep, who here you are." They come. I mean, yeah. I think. Spoiler alert: uh, there's uh, teachers no do record. talk. Teachers do talk. That's but, right. They do. They yeah. do. And and kids, listen. Don't 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 take that too far. There is. Uh, a record that you can uh, yeah. develop. With, uh, if there are so, any elementary students listening to this podcast, yes, yes, there's a rap sheet. So, yeah, yeah. So, so beware. That's so. That's so funny. The only mark that you had. I I've got to tell this story, and then we'll maybe get into some more serious stuff. But my, uh, I think the the beginning of my rebellion. See, I I'm not like Blake. I had plenty of marks, uh, plenty of of moments, but. 
I remember one in particular because it, this goes just to just kudos and shout out to my parents. Just great, great parenting. My mom was cold blooded in her discipline. And uh, <laughs> so I uh, we couldn't chew gum at our junior high, which right. uh, people say middle school, whatever. In, in Midland, it was called junior high. I think I was in I must have been in the seventh grade. So you couldn't chew gum. So my teacher catches me with gum in my mouth, which is a violation, but it's a minor violation. Right. And the teacher just says, you know, go spit it out. And so I go and fake spit out my gum. Like I just go to the trash can and I'm like, I'm going to rebel, right? I'm going to just mm-hmm. keep my gum. Right. Well, I'm an absolute fool and continue to smack the gum in an obvious way. So the teacher catches me again. Well, this is, this is a problem. This is now <laughs> I've now, now I'm in trouble because I've been dishonest. And so I get sent to the principal. And this is back in the day where you still had SWATs. Oh, know? yeah. So oh, yeah. Uh, shout out to now, those I, days. I think know, we so. thought that the principal had an electric paddle. That was the rumor that was going around that, like, when Miss Skinner would sp- spank you, there was would, a like, electric jolt of Yeah. <laughs> so that was enough for me to not get any marks. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. That Yeah, you didn't need motivation more. But I, it was not a deterrent for me. I don't think we had an electric paddle. But <laughs> anyway, the uh, so I go to the principal. He walks me through it and basically says, okay, you either get detention or you get SWATs. Well, I was, a, I was in football at the time. And I knew that if I had detention, that I would miss a portion of football practice hmm. and that the punishment for that right. was, yeah, that's not gonna be you're going to run till you puke. You know? right. So I'm not about that. So it's like, no. And, th- and if I can get SWATs, then the coaches won't know. I'll be good. I'll get off the hook. So I say SWATs. Well, of course, that if you're going to get SWATs, there has to be parent permission. Right. I didn't know this. So they call my parents. They call my mom. So this turns into a big deal. So now now my choice is, is you know, what I thought was good strategy is not good strategy. They call my mom and they walk her through it. And I can hear mom on the other end of the phone and it's super quiet, which is terrifying. She's just quiet, calm, cool, collected, scaring me to death. And the principal says, you know, here's all that's happened. And... Uh, I could either give him detention or, uh, or SWATs and, uh, but I just need your permission. And mom says, what did he choose? <laughs> and the principal says, well, he, he chose SWATs and mom goes in this. And I don't, I don't know. I think I'm making this up bigger in my mind, but mom goes, give him detention. <laughs> the opposite of what what I wanted. wanted. She just wanted to know what I wanted and she was going to make it worse. So I had detention. I had to run. The coach is just, I, it was, it was awful. Uh, but anyway, that was kind of the, the, the beginning of my rebellion. What's interesting about that in, in my life. So from there, I would say all the way till I was a senior, uh, a junior or senior in high school, man, it was a massive wrestling match for me. I was a Christian at that point. And it was a massive wrestling match for me of, of turning loose of things of the world. And, and I, you know, I, I can talk about it, I think, in more clear terms now than I could have articulated then. But it was, it was basically a laying down of my passions of my desires, of the way I used to do things. And that for me was a fight. I was not going to easily follow Jesus. There were, there were uh, allegiances that I had to the things of the world that I was going to cling to tightly. And that spanned 
uh, a lot of years. And there's I, I, there's some stories there of just specific moments. But I'm curious just kind of what that looked like for you. I know with a sparkling record, you know, you and I have this very different story. But uh, I know your story has a lot to do with ministry. You were doing ministry. I was not this way. You were doing ministry when you were in your teenage right, years. Right. And I know for you, what what kind of had to happen was that that your ministry life had to get decoupled from your following Jesus. You needed to be able to see those separately, and God had to uh, had to kind of show you that in a unique way. I, so yeah. I don't know what was that stretch like. For well, you, you know. Um, as I talked about in the first episode, so much of my life was kind of revolved around the life of the church, which is a great thing for a kid. Right. I mean, it's it's a great influence. I always had um, good friends, and and so um, so much of my identity was kind of tied up with that uh, mentality. And uh, and like I said, early on, I, I kind of felt this call to ministry and, and started down that path. Um, but because of kind of the, the morality kind of thing, uh, I've thought that a lot of it was if I worked really hard, I could kind of achieve what I wanted to, to, to the goal I wanted to get to. Um, but that wasn't, I mean, we know that that's not the case. It's not by our own work of how hard we can work to get achieve something. It's by the grace of God and, and what he's teaching us through that. And so, um, you know, I, we've, we've talked a little bit about how I was in a band and we, we, um, we're really kind of starting to get some traction in, in, um, in ministry and traveling and in the next logical step for a band is to try to get a record deal. I mean, that was the case back then. I think you can kind of get away from that now, but, um, and so we had this opportunity to go to uh, Nashville and play for some record labels, which was, was huge. And, um, and I, I remember yeah, especially that, for for guys that are young and oh yeah, I mean okay, so at the time I was twenty years old, yeah. you know, and and the other guys were I was the oldest in the band at the time, so you've always um, been the old man. Buddy. I've always been the old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, even on that trip, I'm the guy that's like doing all the planning. I'm doing all the driving. I've got the hotel set up. That's I've got right. everything. I am not all, shocked. Yeah, um, got the itinerary, and uh, so uh, I, I remember the trip up to Nashville and. Uh, and we were like, this is it. We've worked really hard the last several years, and uh, you know we've seen the fruit of our success, our successes, and this is going to be it. We're going to come in here, and we're going to blow the socks off of these guys. And, uh, and, um, and so we, I remember going to a soundstage in, um, in East Nashville and setting all of our stuff up and just feeling real good, you know, and played our set I think it was like three or four songs it was some original songs that we had written and there's a panel in the back of all the label executives and they were just kind of looking at us and writing some things down I thought yeah yeah yeah, this is it and we walked off stage and they're like okay we'll give you a report a little bit later on and so we're waiting and just excited one guy comes back out an older guy and he goes well here you go and he hands us a packet and it it's just thick of all the the notes they made and he goes I really liked you, um, but uh, I think we're going to go a different direction. And I was just like, oh, gosh, just like a punch in wow. the gut, you know. Yeah. And because uh, and the whole time while we were playing and setting up, the, even like the sound engineers like, yeah, you guys sounded great. That was awesome, you know, and like just really building Pumping us up. up. Yeah. And uh, then we get back our report, and I never forget. I opened it up and started thumbing through it. And one of the comments was from one of the guys that says, you look like a band and that was it. And I was like, so we, 
we look like one, but yeah, what does that mean? The, we don't sound like a band. You know, what does that, what does that mean? And, uh, and it was a lot of unanswered questions for us at that point. And, and we were all kind of in a transition time where, um, some of the guys were wanting to go to college somewhere else. And there was a chance that we might split up and that's pretty much what happened. I remember the, the drive, I remember driving through Arkansas, coming back to Texas and just thinking, okay, God, what, what, what do I do with this? Because this is what I thought. And I've been working really hard wow. to get to this, you know, I thought this this is what you wanted for me, you know. This is you called me in the ministry, and then this is what I thought ministry was going to be like. And uh, he completely broke that down in that moment. Uh, but that was a huge turning point for me to really kind of reevaluate what ministry actually was um, versus something that was kind of that up to that point it was kind of self serving to me. And, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't thinking as much about other people as I was thinking about myself. And um, and so that was kind of the, the refocusing of ministry, but that also in that moment was me separating ministry from my relationship with God because I yeah. just kind of always lumped that together. It was, I remember we did this Bible study in uh, in high school in my Sunday school class <clears throat> that was discerning the will of God. It was I think it was like a Henry Blackaby study or something like that. Classic, and and, and that was about the time I tell you the story where. I kind of decided, okay, I can, I can do music as, as, you know, as a part of my ministry. And, uh, and so it was like a graduation point in my, from my perspective of, okay, this is the next step in my relationship with God is to move into ministry. And which in a, in a way it was, but it was, it wasn't like there were two separate things. It was just one thing that kind of transitioned together. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So for you, ministry had always been an achievement had always been coupled with your walk with Jesus. So in a sense, I guess what I'm trying to piece together here, what it sounds like is that moment in, in Nashville, you know, when I describe this decoupling of ministry and relationship, what it sounds like really happened there is that God said, look, following me means that you surrender your expectations for what this is going to look like. Because at that point in your life, there had been, some solidified call. Like you would say, I, I, I yeah, feel like absolutely. God's going to use me in ministry. But what that moment was, was God saying, yeah. And if that's going to be true, it's got to be on my, right. We're going to do it my way and not achievement on your, your terms. Is right. that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that was a graduation from, um, one step to the other. And, and for, in my perspective, the achievement was this amount of success means I've arrived, you know, which is, I mean, we know that's not even how our Christian life works, but in my mind, that was like the next yeah. thing I had to accomplish. It's amazing that God allowed you to get to what in your mind was going to be the pinnacle, right? This was going to be the point where all of these dreams, all of these uh, aspirations kind of meet a uh, success point right and somebody says yes this is who you are that God lets you get to that point and it's that point right there when they say no that God says see yeah it's gotta think, be my but way. I think I, I would have been stubborn enough if we wouldn't have got to that point I would have kept working really hard wow to get there no matter what so I think him allowing us to get to that point and then breaking me was the only thing that could have happened that I would have responded the way that I did. You know, I I think that that says a lot about the patience of, of God. And for me, so in that really 
sticky point when I was a, so I, I was telling that story, like when I started out kind of in this rebellion in the seventh grade, that, that ran pretty heavy. We actually moved when I was in the eighth grade, which threw everything right. into a tailspin. I went into it. I mean, I went from West Texas, small town, small bubble that right. I lived yeah. in to Dallas, Fort Worth kids that are just a total new yeah. culture all the while, I'm kind of like f- trying to figure out who in the world I am. So I just get totally absorbed in that, mm-hmm. just totally swept into that that culture because I have no sense really of self. I've got this understanding that I am Christ's. And so that the Holy Spirit plays a role kind of constantly pursuing and kind of I always had this nagging thing at, in the depths of my heart that was like, this is not who you are. Yeah. But I kept running from that. Anyway, fast forward. So when I was a sophomore in high school and everything that you could imagine being out of whack is out of whack in my life at that point and seems to be unraveling. Mm-hmm. A kid invites me to, and this is actually my entry. We talked about me being Methodist. This is actually my, my entry into the Baptist church. A kid invites me to what he called an accountability group, which for a Methodist kid, far from God, <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know why I even went. This wasn't a kid that I sounds knew well. weird. <laughs> it sounds super weird, super cultish, right? And I was like, I don't know. But, but, but I went. Like, for whatever reason, by God's grace, I went. And I think it was because I was hungry for something authentic. And right. I knew the things that were in my life were not authentic. So anyway, I go. And it's where I meet this guy. Uh, his name is Larry Grayson. Unbelievable man. He was a worship pastor at First Baptist Church in Louisville. And actually, I really hope to have him on the podcast at some point yeah, in, cool. in the future. He's in Arkansas now and um, just an incredible man. And he had been discipling teenagers uh, for years and years and years. And what he would do is he would take this group of guys that were uh, sophomores, juniors, or seniors, and he'd work them through high school. And they would meet together at his house do Bible study, talk through things. I mean, and, and he would facilitate this discipleship group. And that, that's what I was being invited into. So I, I meet this man and here's, here's kind of my whole point. I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I meet him and I can't imagine what my story and the chaos of my life at that point would have looked like coming in his front door. Right. But I wasn't met with this, man, you've got a lot of stuff wrong. We've got to get all this fixed. I was I was met by a man who saw God at work in my life and was patient with me as God worked all that out. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he just came along, he just got into the space of my life and walked with me in it. And he became a he became a, a mentor. He became somebody that I could be honest with about yeah. my struggle and about my sin because I knew that when I came to him with it, I wasn't going to be pushed out the door. I I, I was going to be shepherded. I was going to be uh, told the truth and held accountable. But but also I was going to be loved in that moment. Right. And he he was that presence in my life. I mean, he uh, when I was a sophomore in college, uh, he baptized me. Uh, he spoke at our wedding. I mean, he was that presence in my life for a long, long time. And he just exemplified, I mean, I think in your story, the patience of God to allow you to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And and God knows exactly this moment where he needs to speak into our life to bring truth and change. And and Larry was really that that presence. He was this patient presence, this patient voice of God in my life in all the chaos, but spoke truth on a consistent basis 
and and really was the was the voice that God used to kind of bring me away from the world and and to see God's love for me clearly to see God's call in my life and to really call me into a serious following of Jesus and that happened all of that happened in that span of those teenage years right. you know God worked some of the most deep and effective things in my life thus far in those in those years and I think it's important that we tell those yeah that we tell those stories so I you know I, I think we don't often challenge on this on this podcast. We don't. There's no invitation right. per se on yeah. the podcast. But I think, man, if you're listening to this, I, I think just what a healthy exercise to take a minute and reflect back on how God has chased you, how God yeah. has been patient with you, how God has worked in those in those teenage years. And man, if you're in those years right now and it's messy and rough, and you're sorting things out, man, just know, just know that. Um, that God is uh, is doing incredible things in that stage of your life. It's not just teenage years right. to be dismissed. That God will will actually do some of the most powerful things He can do in your life. He He's going to do in in those years. So just cool to think back on that story. Any last thoughts on the uh, on the adolescent years? I want to talk no, about one more thing. And- I, you know, I think I think it's important. Uh, I think when you're a teenager in 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 the first part of college, you kind of feel like you're on an island in in those in those yeah. scenarios, and and so I do think it's important that as uh, we have, that have moved on from those years, think back on on those times to to share our experiences, yeah, uh, with with the the t- teenagers and and adolescents, just to to help encourage them to know that right. there's a process going on there, and and God is is at work. You just have to kind of be patient. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I want to transition real quick before we before we close. We've had some feedback on this podcast. Just people wanting to know they've heard us say, "Hey, uh, how do we?" Right. You know, you've said ask questions mm-hmm. and give topics, but we actually haven't told you how to do that. Yeah. So unless you've approached us personally and said, "Hey, talk about this," then we don't know. So we, what we've done is we've set up. We have. We've set up an email. An email, right? So right. here's what we want you to do. We want you to email. And and here, this can be as broad, like whatever you want us to talk about. Or even if, and I think this would be cool too, even if there's really interesting people that you want us yeah, yeah, that would be great. To, to interview, we've got a few people lined up, excited about some of those stories coming up. But emails, Blake, tell us, how does that work? It's very simple. Yeah. You open up your email. That's right. And you write, you type the little, or hit the compose button. <laughs> and in the... Uh, where you're going to send it to it, just put STC at FredoniaHill.org. STC, for those of you uh, sharp tools in the shed, that is sweet tea and coffee. STC. That's it. That's it. That simple, and it'll show up in my email. And at we'll... FredoniaHill.org. Or... If you don't know how to spell Fredonia, F R E D O N I A Hill.org. That's it. That's it. Okay, so send us an email. If you've got something you want us to, to talk about, send us an email. That's all for today. Actually, let me tease the next episode. It, here, coming up in this next episode, uh, you're going to hear from the man we've referenced uh, on many occasions, mm-hmm. the great Matt Murray. That will be in the next episode, so stay tuned. That's all for today. We will see you guys soon. Adios. See you.